Hello, Kazakh community. My name is Chris C. I am the founding director of the Kazakh Project, coming to you from the land of Web3. I'm so delighted today to, do, to be joined by Nada Dabit, who is DevRel at Celestial Lab and a founder of DeveloperDAO, to talk about the journey of Web2 developer going to Web3, learning about all the new things, not only the things that people talk about, but also the things that's right at the horizon that allows us to not only scale up, to create more use cases, to create more relevant application, but more importantly, really take the talent that we have gathered in the world of technology and apply to a more decentralized and more equitable future. Welcome, Nada. Thank you so much for having me. So uh, I follow you on Twitter, and I, I've seen your own personal journey coming, coming from Web 2 to Web 3. Uh, can you tell, tell me a little maybe a bit uh, our audience about your background and what brought you to this land of Web 3? Yeah, so I've been a developer for about 10 years now. And previously to joining the Web 3 or blockchain space, the, the last role that I had was over three years at Amazon Web Services, uh, building out the and kind of helping out, I would say, the front end web and mobile team with a handful of tools, services, SDKs. We were focused, you know, on a handful of things, mainly on the back end side, on the infrastructure side, serverless technologies, um, API gateways using things like GraphQL into AWS services, as well as the client side SDKs and tooling that enabled developers to kind of have a better developer experience and getting started experience with Amazon uh, Web Services services. So I was there for a little over three years. Uh, before that, I was focused on mobile development with React Native for a couple of years. I actually ran a consultancy mm. that uh, trained developers for uh, building out mobile apps that uh, were using traditional languages and uh, native, you know, the, the native environments like writing Objective-C and, and Swift and Java. Uh, before that, I was just uh, a, a web developer a front-end engineer, I guess you could say, for a few years. And I got really interested in Web3 at the beginning of 2021. I was kind of already trading crypto for a few years, but I didn't really know like why these tokens existed up mm -hmm. until I started looking into a handful of uh, the protocols. And I learned about, you know, as a developer, some of the ideas behind Web3 that to me were like really, really exciting and, and fascinating. And as you know, a developer again of like nine years at that time, I was kind of like a little bored maybe with a lot of the the, the things that were happening in the traditional space, and mm -hmm. that like we solved you know most of the the main challenges around scalability, and uh, you know we were just essentially like you know making incremental changes. I did enjoy working at AWS on the infrastructure side that enables developers to kind of build out their own ideas, and. Um, as I learned more about Web3 protocols, I became fascinated by them and I wanted to kind of work, you know, in Web3 and more specifically like building developer infrastructure for Web3 developers. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it feels like in Web2 on the cloud space, uh, you're playing a game and you've beat the final boss. You've spent like, you know, two, three hundred thousand and they're just walking around doing side quests and trying to get a hundred percent completion. It's not like it's not challenging, right? But it's a little bit like kind of like putting your time and see if you can get some Easter egg versus coming into to Web3 is like playing an indie game. It's like, what is it even is this thing, right? Um, so what's your experience about like, you, do you think the developer tooling in the time that you've been in Web3 has it improved? Is it something that uh, an, a developer with your previous kind of training in web and maybe mobile and maybe cloud, uh, is it ready for them to build real application in your opinion today, 2022? 
Yeah, I mean, the answer is is definitely it depends, like, what type of application <laughs> that you want to build. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, you can build stuff today, but you can't achieve the same user experience for the most part, I would say, for if you were kind of going to build a clone maybe of an existing traditional application that scales to, for for example, like a social media application mm-hmm. that might yeah. handle, like, literally a billion users or something like that. So, yeah. like, we're not there yet there, but we also have applications that just simply can't be built in Web2. For instance, DeFi protocols that are, you know, just something you can do before, you know, along with things like Lens Protocol, which are a portable, like, social graph that is extremely, extremely interesting and exciting to me. In fact, mm-hmm. probably the most exciting thing uh, happening you know, since I joined the space, because like, you know, social graphs are a trillion dollar, you know, industry between Facebook, TikTok, all these different platforms that enable creators. But the problem is, almost all of the revenue is being funneled through the creators to these uh, mega corporations into the advertisers. And, uh, you know, the, the nature of Web3 and blockchains is that we kind of like get rid of these middlemen. And I think that that's what you're seeing with protocols like Lens, where you can kind of have the this direct com- connection between users, creators, users of the application and creators. But also, like, I, I don't think it's, like, while I'm not a fan of adver- uh, advertising and ads, I don't think it's, I don't think it's something like we should be focusing on to get rid of advertisers. Instead, mm-hmm. I think we can build m- more, I would say, I would say healthy relationships between advertisers and the creators and have direct, again, direct connections that enable people to kind of make money while without having this big platform taking uh, 80 or 90% cut out of, yeah, out of that. Absolutely. Like when a brand say, Hey, here's a Facebook audience. I would like to target to get my product or DTC uh, direct to consumer product D2C uh, DTC product to the market. Facebook's taking 60 to 80% of it just for the, uh, you know, access to it. And if, you know, one way to think about this, and it's interesting to think like, it's not that advertising is bad, is that the money is go- not going to the customer, not going to the brands, not even going to the, the publisher who's creating engaging content and bringing people to platform. It's just going to Facebook, or it's just going to the Facebook meta Inc. Corporation. And one way to, you know, we've been thinking about this is that the customer acquisition cost that goes into advertising can be more equitably split. And we have a lot of ways of figuring out what that dollar amount, whether that's in a token like ETH or in USDC, how that splits up. And if it goes to the team that is doing the media, if it goes to the team that is maybe going to customer themselves, like customer acquisition costs going directly to customers, it's kind of like a token drop, right? An airdrop is kind of like giving your future customers money to spend and stuff like that. Uh, and that is the type of mechanism that we have in DeFi. So that's why it's really interesting to me, and I want to get your thoughts, that the person who came up with the ideal lens protocol is the person coming with lending market <laughs> in, 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 in Aave, in, 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 the, in the ETH space. So I, I'm, do you expect more monetization ideas coming from this like intersection of decentralized social media and decentralized finance? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they are, are, they are already intertwined by nature. So I think that we're going to see a lot of really, I mean, there's already a lot of interesting ways that you can already transact between users on Lens. So for example, Mm -hmm. you know, you can actually, um, you can easily do stuff like, okay, I want to charge someone to follow me. Um, And 
you can do that like with without a lot of work you could say okay if you want to follow me and and and, and see my content it's going to be mm-hmm. like you know this much you can set that up really easily you can also do crowd crowdfunding mm-hmm. you can through the platform uh launch some uh you know nft or something like that um and uh, a good example of this was like linster which is which was like the first front end application built on top of lens protocol it's kind of like something mm-hmm. like twitter or something um they are subsidizing the gas costs. So like when you transact right. on Linster, it's free. So in order for them to to make to recoup some of that money, they've done these things where like, oh, you can collect this post and they just create a post and like you collect it and then you pay a, a couple of dollars to do that. Um, and a lot of people did that and, and people are happy to kind of do that because like, mm-hmm. you know, they're offering a service and, and we're able to kind of say, oh, we appreciate that and, and here. And then in exchange, we get something like an NFT or something like that. Another example is that when you follow someone, are, uh, y- you are essentially collecting an NFT. So that, like, you, you know, you have uh, followed a thousand people, like you now have like these thousand NFTs. Yeah. What those people can do is that they can actually do token gated content that yeah. says if you're following me, like I can show this thing, or, or I can not show this thing, or they can say if you've collected this post, you know that costs money or something, you can like do this thing. So like, there's all these things that you can do that are, are really just starting to become experimented with because it's only been like a few weeks, I guess maybe. Or a <laughs> yeah. Few years. Well, so a few in, months, in real, life, real, real life terms, that's been years, but in crypto terms, it's been it's been weeks. Yeah. yeah so they're like these ideas are like not only possible, but they're now poss- possibly like already being experimented with. And some of them have been experimented with. Yeah, I think the concept that uh, Stephen Johnson, the author, came up with the adjacent possible is that all the things in DeFi and tokens and all the things now we have a decentralized social protocol like Lens, the adjacent possible of those interaction of those spheres kind of blurring together is really exciting to me because I think part of the, the difficulty is that the payment side of the social network has been very separate. If you actually work for Facebook, like if you work on the business side, you're like in a different like organization, right? Like the people who are doing products engagement and stuff like that is one and then the people do business while they're important to the business let's be honest it's a little look down upon us as the ad guys like not really the real like you know <laughs> the organic people whereas here in DeFi or in in decentralized uh web3 land you know we're just working on protocols and and if it's money is involved great money's not involved fine uh um and so so i think there's gonna be a lot more interesting uh things what do you think you know you mentioned about like this uh protocol that is not this ui that's providing this kind of interface about like subsidizing gas do you feel like the concept that you have to pay the network something to put a post or put a follow on that idea is so foreign that the only way to get mass market adoption and social media protocol uh, call on decentralized is to subsidize gas? Do you think that's a necessity or do you think that's a temporary, I don't know, uh, um, smoothing of a, a expectation? Yeah, that's a good question. And I hadn't really considered that the way forward was to kind of subsidize it until um, I started obviously like, you know, learning more about how easy it is to kind of implement these gasless transactions and we started seeing networks that were inexpensive enough to make this feasible. Yeah, because yeah. like obviously before something like Polygon and Polygon um, and maybe Solana and maybe like just a handful of other networks mm-hmm. are the only places where these things would be feasible today because you can't even do something like this on Optimism or Arbitrum because uh, you're still paying, you know, 
um, yeah. a few like 25 cents or a dollar, I don't know, whatever for, for transaction, which is not like feasible for a social media app where you're liking posts and you're, you know, you know, doing all the, you're, you might be doing dozens of trans uh, interactions yeah. per day. So yeah. like, you know, that would end up costing you hundreds of dollars per month or something. And that's probably not, but like, yeah, I, I do think that for the average user to kind of be onboarded into web three, that this might be the way to, to, to do it, or at least this seems like a viable option. And, um, the fact that there are ways to kind of subsidize that through the platform itself seems that if that if that's the case, then you can kind of offer a free mechanism for users to transact while still, um, you know, having enough money to subsidize, you know, what's going on. The one question I'm not sure about is, and I haven't really understood uh, exactly how, I haven't looked close enough to how the transactions are, you know, processed through, because they have their own API that they're kind of like using that's not calling the contract directly. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's kind of like not a direct contract call. So I'm wondering like if there is some type of civil like uh, resistance that, that might need to be put in place. Mm-hmm. Because like um, if someone is obviously subsidizing these transactions, then if someone wanted to kind of just, you know, use up a million dollars, maybe they could just write a program that would do that. So I'm assuming yeah, that there's yeah, something yeah. built in yeah, that, that, yeah. that prevents that, but I, I haven't looked into that enough. It's really tricky. And, 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 and you know, meta transaction is one of those things. Anytime you give away money on Web3 or even in the internet, people will find a way to take every single dime out of your pocket and give, put it to someone and put it back together, right? Um, so we've been we've investigated this idea that we, you know, we've, Cossack is focused on the user experience and like not only building a single useful dApp or that would be user-friendly, but building a framework so the developer can build on top of it. So we work in the JavaScript, ES module space to try to make that sensible. But some of these big problems of meta transaction, we wanted to solve in a more general way. So what we've learned and we did read the research is that the actually Surprisingly, the best thinkers around meta transaction is the Gnosis Safe team, the smart contract wallet on EVM. They have a scheme where they can you can delegate in your Gnosis Safe certain wallet, uh, certain tokens as gas tokens. So it could be like a USDC or USDT or DAI or something like that. And the way they prevent civil resistance is to deduct it from from that wallet. And so what we're trying to figure out is like, could we like front it and then deduct it later on? And it turns out that it's it's probably better to just give someone some amount of money up front and then deduct it from the network but then you shift the simple resistance like who do you give one dollar to right mm-hmm. um but you know the one one dollar can only be spent on gas but then you can also harvest it so this idea of like civil resistance in uh in web3 is so hard to do that it's actually really hard to figure out how do you make sure that people don't like do do that so our conclusion after thinking about all these things is that uh a dollar is so little money. Think about it as game points, right? Like we go to a mobile app and you do React Native and you do like an app purchase or like that. A dollar go you gets you a long way. So maybe use a dollar to buy your you know name or something like that. Reserve a name and then you have a dollar to spend. On a network like Polygon, you can probably do a thousand transaction on. <laughs> but yeah, it's really um, hard to it's really hard to eliminate that kind of like civil stuff. I agree with you. Yeah, I wonder also like if if someone would um especially and we're going to get to talking about you know uh celestia and and, and the future in a second but it would be cool i'm wondering if someone like deployed their own 
their own blockchain that had a native token that was mm-hmm. the gas. Mm-hmm. And therefore, yeah. mm-hmm. the protocol could issue tokens for That's a good idea. Mm-hmm. platforms and applications that they wanted users to be able to transact on uh, for free. And then like you could kind of subsidize it directly th- through the network. Yeah, it's it doesn't like, have to be like a. It doesn't have to be a thing where like. I mean, obviously, if if you issued a bunch of money to someone and they decided to to sell or whatever, like that would be you know a, a thing that could I guess happen maybe. But 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 for the most part, I'm sure like there has to be some way that you could say, okay, I'm going to launch my own chain um, with its own native token, and the token is going to be used for gas. And if you deploy an application to the, if you fr- deploy like a, yeah, I guess an application to this protocol, and we want to support it, then we'll we will issue you tokens from the the, the protocol itself. Maybe I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I think protocol minting instead of minting to miners for proof of work or minting to people who are staking, minting to users is a really good idea because they need only a little bit right to go a long way, especially on a uh, on a th- uh, on a on a network with low cost. You know, I think it was interesting to to kind of like transition to talking about the, this idea of a modular blockchain. I think everybody really benefited from Ethereum being all in one. Like everything is there, so you can kind of get how that whole experience work. What this contract, the storage is kind of all one runtime. And 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 now that you know people are looking at like layering things, layer one, layer two, layer zero, layer six, layer four, layer five, uh, that 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 people are recognizing that this monolithic thing that is you know, uh, it's been help, help us so well. I'm not saying that Ethereum is the AOL of blockchain, but I am saying it's all inclusive like AOL and there's opportunity to 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 do that. In your view, you know, now obviously you've joined Celestia and you believe in the vision. You know, what is the kind of main benefit to developers who are looking at building their own application to decide to, instead of building their own smart contract on a network like Ethereum to say, hey, maybe I can deploy my own blockchain. When do you think that would be a good idea? So when do I think would be a good idea for someone to deploy their own blockchain yes. as opposed to using a shared execution yes. environment? Yes. Well, you know, I think there's too many trade-offs today to say, oh, you should just deploy your own blockchain, obviously. But I think that's the direction for sure that we're headed. Mm-hmm. I think that the idea of launching an L1 and expecting everyone to transact on that L1 um, as the approach regardless of the scalability that you can uh, achieve, it's still going to be orders of magnitude less scalable than the roll-up approach. So mm-hmm. I think that what we're moving towards is everything is a roll-up. Mm-hmm. I don't think that, I think that the layer one is always going to be a base layer for roll-ups. And if you architect your blockchain in any other way, then you're probably not going to be as scalable as other solutions uh, in the future. Yeah. Of course, this is a really like early discussion because like this is more of, of an idea, even though we do see roll-ups already happening, I think what we're what we haven't seen yet is this true modular uh, approach that enables the scalability, that data availability sampling that uh, Ethereum is implementing, as well as Celestia will then um, enable. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that, like right now, it probably doesn't make sense for anyone other than like a massive like DeFi protocol like DYDX is doing mm-hmm. and launching their own chain that has the engineering power and, and the money and then like understands how this stuff works today to maybe do that like right now. Um, I mean, obviously, you can do something like this like on Cosmos today, maybe. But yeah. I think that um, I think in the future and then maybe a, a year or two, when we have the tooling. And it's extremely easy to 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 deploy your own app chain and your own blockchain as it is to deploy a smart contract. Then then it would make a lot more sense because you're not only gonna get 
all the benefits of, of blockchain modularity, but you'll also have more scalability because you're not sharing this execution environment with a hundred other or a million other uh, applications. The only per person, the only people that are interacting on your uh, chain are the people that are interacting with your application. Yeah. Sometimes when, when I tell people like Ethereum is a world computer, so no, no, Ethereum is like the tiny computer like about like a West Raspberry Pi and just replicate it 480,000 times, right? Like everybody's doing the same thing on top of this tiny computer. It's not really, there's no, no, no built-in scalability. It's just replication of, of, of the limited execution space. Um, do you see, you know, if, is Celestra's vision that there will be many different types of ex execution environment on top of the same data availability, different programming language, different consensus model? Uh, uh, what what's the what is the vision there? Is it is it more diversity of programming approaches, or is it more like hey, this is one true way, this is one way to, to scale it? No, I think that's absolutely right. The first scenario where we have a lot more op options and a lot more, you know, I would say different choices for developers, but we also have a lot more innovation and and experimentation mm -hmm. at each at each layer because when you have everything couple together um, when you make a change in one area it kind of like really affects uh, the entire system but when you have these specialized layers um, and you can do stuff like oh I like the EVM but I don't like having like this feature or I need this additional feature or maybe I really like you know Solana sea level but I want to make a few changes so I fork that or maybe I like fuel which is going to be a really really powerful I think uh um, execution environment once it's once it's ready to to be you know used in, in production. Let's mm -hmm. say you, you you like something about one of these execution environments, but you have a new idea or something like that, or you need something maybe specific to your application. You can just make that modification and you can deploy mm -hmm. deploy it. So like you're gonna have a lot more experimentation because like you can't just really um, I would say do that this do do this that easily today. Yeah, you know when you when you deploy on Celestia and like new execution environment, is the front end of it still using the tooling from the EVM, EVM space or from the, you know from 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 you know fuel? What 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 is the story on how it interacts with the user? Assuming the bottom end of it, like the back end, using a cloud term, is is more modular. How does it affect the overall experience to 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 go the way of modular blockchains? For end users or for yes. developers? For end oh, for users. end users? Oh, no, there's no difference. You still are going to be using the same wallets that you've always mm -hmm. used. You'll use MetaMask or, or, or maybe you'll use Phantom or you'll yeah. use Kepler or, or whatever. So, you, yeah, no, nothing changes for the user. I see. The network RPC changes. And I think that hopefully, like, what we're going to see is better wallet UX. So it doesn't really really affect the user at all. Like they, they just land on a site and we automatically, you know, handle all that stuff for them. I see. And um, yeah, it doesn't, yeah, the user doesn't see any effect. Hopefully the, the, the only effect that they see is like a faster and cheaper transaction happen um, as opposed to what we have now. Yeah. So it's interesting that we were talking about data availability. So there's two, two types of data, and people don't know this. People who work in cloud does. One is transactional data, data that updates when you click on a button on the shopping cart. The other one's analytic data, like a data that you get the streams out of, like, you know, Kinesis or something like that. And then you get, like, analyze a bunch of data in Redshift and the databases and like that. Analytic data has always been kind of, like, tagged on to blockchain. A lot of times in private company, like Chain Analysis, they will index it. Some of them is in open protocol, like the graph, where people 
make these kind of transformation rules still more transactional and analytical, and you have Dune and everybody else doing analytical data. Uh, does analytical data, given that it's bigger uh, with greater volume and ver variety, does those things fit inside the Celestial vision? Uh, could I put like social media analytic data and get consensus around those data sets to do maybe a recommendation algorithm or something like that on top of that data? Uh, or is it still really limited to the type of transactionality that we're used to in DeFi? Yeah, I mean, it's a very um, good question around, you know, when when we talk about data availability, because like it's, the, the, the name data availability doesn't really say a lot until you actually understand what it means in the context of how we're, we're speaking to it, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. But really, the you know, the, the, the same types of data that you would save in an Ethereum transaction or an Optimism or, or mm -hmm. a Polygon, you know, the, that, that same type of data, which would be smart contract, mm -hmm. you know, uh, interaction. So it might be uh, a, a, a map or it might be like, you know, some type of, um, you know, wallet address or token balance or things like that. Those are the sorts of things that you would transact with. Yeah. And Celestia, you know, would just serve as the data availability layer like for that you you probably uh wouldn't think of uh data availability in the terms of how we're speaking to it and in the sense of something like file storage like pdfs or videos IPFS, like that would be some oh, yeah, yeah that would be ipfs or arweave you also wouldn't think of it as something like i want to index and query a large data set that's more like something that you would use the graph for I but see. maybe maybe you would have an index of Celestia itself, I like see. using the graph, or you might build one yourself, and then you could kind of gather that analytical data. But you could store whatever data that you like on, on Celestia. Celestia doesn't even uh, verify the data. All it does is provide uh, uh, data availability and ordering, so consensus and data availability. Yeah, could I store could I store Git data on Celestia? You could store whatever you'd like as long as you, I guess, paid the transaction costs. <laughs> right. Because, you know, we did a lot of investigation about, you know, you know, uh, using document storage and then more flexibility. And Git, obviously, with some schema, you can actually store very, you know, Git is kind of like a Merkle, Merkleized, you know, like linear, you know, kind of hash of the tree, right? So that's kind of like a blockchain. There's certain application that makes a lot of sense, checking in code and making sure those things are referencing the right things. Git is pretty good at that. That's why we have monorepos and repositories and stuff like that. So I'm always wondering, like, when you're doing modular storage, like, could I have like a Git chain, like a Git blockchain sitting on top of Celestia? That would be interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. So I... I, I also kind of look at this as a, as a way of like, you know, when we talk about the inside baseball of blockchains and low level stuff, a lot of developers, especially ones that are still gainfully employed at SaaS companies doing really important improvement to winter 2022 releases to add delegate administration. Um, they they look at these things, ah, oh, so many jargons. Um, and you, you, I know you started a project called DeveloperDAO, which you took all the jargons, Web2 and Web3 combined, and, uh, and and gave people different slices of this alignment to those jargons. Uh, do, what is your sense of the uh, kind of the, the DAO community uh, in developer data, how many of them are like familiar with the Web3 jargon we just mentioned, you know, we just talked about in the last like 20 minutes or so? How many of them are just about to learn it and how do we kind of teach them and how do we make it non-intimidating? Yeah, I mean, the, the developer DAO is just a community of, of people, developers that want to network with each other, mm -hmm. share opportunities, share ideas, educate each other. Um, and it's a great 
place to like make friends. It's a great place to learn stuff. It's a great place to do peer programming, and and it's just a cool uh, place for unique. Um, uh, yeah, not really, but I would say like uh, for similarly minded people. Mm-hmm. But like th- the unique thing being that we all are all developers. So like, there's a lot of other DAOs that were out there before Developer DAO that had like maybe a developer channel, but there was no like, you know, place for everyone. Um, that is a developer to go to a single like right. community, and, and that was a DAO. Obviously, there were d- tons of communities, but there wasn't really a developer DAO. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's kind of how it formed. And um, we have a mixture of traditional like Web two developers and Web three developers, but but for sure, almost everyone in there is Web three curious, or yeah. they're working in Web three. So, like maybe they're a Web two developer, and they were like, you know, oh, like what's an NFT? And then they might have like minted the NFT because it was free. And they were like, oh, okay, like I'm going to use this now to access the Discord. So like that's kind of their first entry point into Web3. And maybe they stayed and they got a job or maybe they were like, oh, I don't like this. And they left and they, you know, they exited the DAO. And and to do that, you can just sell your token. And like it was free to mint, but, you know, you could probably get a few hundred bucks for it today. Mm -hmm. But we're not focused on the speculative uh, aspect. We're more focused on the community and public goods of what we can do within the community. Yeah, I think it's really smart to get people to mint it for free, and then also have to use the ether scan to do it. So, so it's just a little bit of like almost like a like a test from the recruiters. Like, are you a developer? Do you understand basic principles of function calls? That was smart. I mean, it's also easy, but it, it, yeah, it, it, it was easy. <laughs> I don't but know. like, yeah, you're right. If there was a button that you could press and just like mint a thousand of them, like. Yes. What would have stopped someone from doing that, you know? Yeah, so so it it was good. It, it was a good like you know like you know hidden trick question on the billboard in San Francisco or somewhere that's like, hey, if you can read this, then you are the people we want. Usually done really poorly and like somewhat from recruiting um, that, that 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 doesn't really understand the zeitgeist, but you did it well. That was that was the tool to use. Uh, so Thank you. do you see, um, you know, with crypto going up and down and the economy going up and down, some, a lot of DAOs who has a lot of speculation type of like fever, also to have some kind of loss of vibe for lack of a better word. How's the vibe at developer DAO today? Yeah, I mean, I think that massive price fluctuations that often result in people like losing their jobs and stuff definitely are, are, are something that affect everyone. And um we're somewhat insulated from it because like we've never ever ever focused or even talked about speculation like Mm -hmm. everything that has to do with money within our community is more about like how can you find a job and and make this amount of money working for a protocol or a team as opposed to let's get together and like find some ponzi scheme to kind of like get rich off of like none of that discussion happens at all um you don't really we don't really promote like NFT projects. Like we don't like get into all that stuff. We we just focus on education. Mm-hmm. And like my core belief is that if you become a good developer, then you can land a job making um, more than enough money than you need. And then you can go do whatever you want with it. If you want to speculate, if you want to go vacation, whatever. But like, yeah. I think that's the whole idea is like, we're just focused on up leveling people's skill set, And then with that, they have the tools that allow them to kind of make money and then they can then go do whatever they want. But like, yeah, we're not big into that. So we, we haven't had um, as much of an impact than like maybe these mm-hmm. financial DAOs or these speculative DAOs. But yeah, I mean, you, you do see a little bit um, sometimes of a 
like lower amount of engagement during like the, the, the bad parts. And then like when things start getting better, you see a little bit more engagement. But, but overall, we haven't really seen a huge difference. Like the same people that were there a few months ago, for the most part, are kind of still there. We're still putting on like, you know, our uh, newsletter, our events. Uh, you know, we still have a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, and and I think that's the 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 you know when we DAOs are like you know perpetual parties, right? You're supposed to be really exciting, and parties some have lows. Like people like don't show up one week or they show up another week. So it's good to have a rhythm, has a meaning, has has a group of people who are like minded. I think that this idea of finding like minded people is really important. Um, so when you're looking at like Web three in general, now that we have kind of the technology we need and more developer interested. Uh, what is the type of application you would like to see built? Obviously, we, you know, DeFi, despite what everybody says about it, actually performed really well. A lot of the primitives on DeFi's on liquidations and oracles that kind of got us into trouble in, in, in the last cycle really, really uh, withstand withstood a lot of pressure um, and th so that's pretty good uh, DAO tooling I guess was people talked about it it's still discord plus a couple of other token gated tool what what is the type of web3 user facing application that excites you especially with the talent growth that we're seeing with people with product skills UI skills backend skills what what do you see is the next kind of like category there's four areas that I'm really interested in one is wallet UX uh, the other uh, w one is uh, yeah wallet UX. One is scalability solutions. So the, uh, some of the stuff that we're working on uh, really excites me. One is social graphs, and one uh -huh. is point of sales. So I think if we can really get all four of those at to a level that's much better than they are today, then we will be able to onboard and grow and uh, enable a lot of great not only like use cases and experiences, but, but we'll unlock things that are just, will benefit humanity, I think, like public goods and stuff. So, um, you know, for example, a core thing that I think that we need to continue focusing on is point of sale systems around the world that enable low transaction cost, uh, stable coin uh, transactions um, really easily. And I think like what you see with initiatives like Solana Pay and, and I think Polygon is doing something with the mobile uh, integration and then uh, Solana is actually building their own phone. Um, I think like people are realizing that for the next like say billion users to kind of come on board to Web3, one of the most powerful use cases of Web3 is just, is just cryptocurrencies. And I think in particular some type of stable coin that enables people to transact globally without a lot of like inflation or deflation. Mm -hmm. And um, being able to like get paid or, or buy crypto is one thing, but like that doesn't help someone that needs to go buy groceries. What we need is a way for someone to be able to, to, to then take that currency and then be able to walk into their like corner store and buy a drink or something like that. So yeah. we need the low transaction costs. We need um, integrations that are really easy because if I'm running a store and someone comes in and is like, I want to pay with crypto. Yeah. Um, and all it takes for me is to kind of like download an iPad app and, and then immediately I can start receiving money. Like that's a pretty big improvement over what we have now. That's like a very low barrier to entry. So like, yeah, I think, and then once you have more people with wallets, then you're able to then um, onboard them into all types of other applications. So uh, social graphs is something I mentioned. I think that we have obviously seen that social graphs are a, a really powerful and popular 
way for people to interact with uh, current web and mobile applications. Mm -hmm. They and allow people to connect with people. Yeah, friends. Is, yeah, uh -huh. So like, like we know that that people like to use them. So, but but there is an actual you know massive improvement in how Web three does social graphs, and that you can take your audience across multiple different applications without having to rebuild Absolutely. them. Yeah. You know? So like with uh, with Twitter, like I can get a hundred thousand followers but like only have a thousand followers on Instagram and like mm. nobody follows me on TikTok and YouTube is different. But what if I could just build this audience and then I immediately already have them following me on YouTube and they're following me on TikTok and they're following me. And that's like really, really powerful. And I think it resonates with a lot of people because like it's yeah. a lot of work if you're out there trying to build your network. Uh, or build some type of social media audience. So um, the fact that Web3 enables that and, and Lens Protocol is already doing that and you now yeah. see like a Lens YouTube and a Lens Twitter and a Lens blah, blah, blah. Um, so those are the areas that, that interest me the most, those four areas. Yeah, I mean, we, we spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, what would it mean to build a mobile wallet that allows you to do like WeChat Pay uh, directly to each other. And that's what we launched. If you go to uh, the App Store and search for Cut Wallet by Costack, we have a stable coin base, ELC 677, so one, no approved necessary, direct transaction between merchant, where you type in the number, show a QR code, scan it, we get an intent URL, we set up a no-to-safe transaction, gasless all the way, merchant pays fees on gas, right? We got that working. So we know that the capability of building meta transaction and fee-less gasless transaction on top of stable coin-based payment, using ELC 677, reducing that approve and, and transfer uh, two-step process, the unlock process we have. We've proven that end-to-end. Uh, -end, uh, we actually launched that in the beginning of this year. But once we got that working, and again, we mentioned that we have a mutual friend who has been in the React Native space. We kind of you know, took Rainbow, which is more of an investment-focused wallet, and I turn it into more of a WeChat Pay type of wallet. That really taught us a lot. And we realized that consumer payment and like B2B payment is like the same thing. You want the same experience. You want the same conversion. We saw the uh, disaster with UST. Stable coins are not necessarily stable, so we integrated Oracle. Unless it's within like one percentage, then we take we snap to the one hundred you know one hundred one die is one USDT unless it deviates by a certain amount. So this idea of user experience and actually safety for traders is something we build into the protocol, and 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 we are so proud of our team of having launched that. It is definitely possible. You want to do that? It's very very important. But with that basic idea, the end to end thing we're building, like what other things can a wallet do? If that infrastructure is in there, what kind of can it become a super app the same way WeChat became a super app on that one? So a lot of what I'm really, really interested and in, personally adding one to your list. I'm really interested in the messaging stuff that people are working on. Wallet, wallet mm. messaging, XMTP. I know it's working on that uh, with Waku and so is Wallet Connect 2.0 is working on that. I certainly looked at Matrix protocol with end-to-end -end encryption. It's interesting, not as decentralized as the Waku base, which came from the status team. But I think if we get messaging into it, then then this analogy is getting better and better. That's really, really interesting. Yeah, and I think I agree. It's it's cool that how wallets enable, you know, identity and uh, and also like a portable social graph, but also a portable like identity across like all these different applications so um and i think the idea of public data and public infrastructure is really interesting in the sense like if you did build a messaging app then you could have like you know multiple interfaces on top of that uh, messaging protocol that enable you know people to kind of mix and match features and, and create new uis and all kinds of stuff yeah, I mean, you know, one of the features people keep like talking about without knowing is a messaging feature is like, how do I get my DAO contributor to sign 
well, it's a messaging and workflow and notification problem. So mm-hmm. having better messaging will certainly make that, you know, it's currently a pain point, especially for treasury dial that has some type of multi-sig requirement that a little bit easier because nobody reads the Discord, right? If you have like 15 Discords and you have to sign something that's buried into three channels on like a private channel, you never get there. So I think it should be a wallet thing. It should be, hey, you, you, you've been the last one. You're late to the party. You're like, you know, mm-hmm. four of seven, you, you held people up for the last three days. So. Uh, we, you know, we're we're delighted that the Nosa Save, t- well, the Save team, not Nosa Save anymore. They're rebranding the Save community, have the resources they need to grow the ecosystem. Costack is a part of the uh, uh, the foundation guardian thing uh, for 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 the Nosa Save community. And we, I think multi-sig wallet on EVM chain, you know, ho- hopefully on top of Celestia modular blockchain, will still be kind of a very very important piece of giving people you know, like a, a group ability to act as individual and that's i think it's a really really powerful thing uh, the two links are not quite there yet but uh, i completely agree with your your thing I, I i think the scalability aspects of it is one of those things where it enables other things scalability and messaging scalability and social graphs scalability and data it's all really really important uh because you know right now we are going on a blockchain if we get adoption like 10 million people try to do transaction for two dollars each or two usdc each that very few blockchain, Polygon included, can handle that without you know, causing something. So I think this roll-up feature, maybe even like roll-ups on roll-ups w- would be necessary to get that uh, type of uh, performance. Yeah, I mean, the best way to kind of conceptualize like the, the core paradigm shift that's happening is that let's say that we want to build out you know, an application and we have the option of, of sharing an execution environment with like, a million other applications or we can have our own yeah and i think that like when you think about it in that way it it immediately becomes clear what is the more scalable (laughs) uh, choice between the two yeah um yeah and i i think the you know the the bridges which are getting more and more mature allows value transfer let's say everybody in a particular country or city decide to settle on a particular blockchain uh using let's say our protocol for revenue processing and merchant processing uh when they earn the money they can bridge it uh, to another form of stablecoin on something that has entered exit to a fiat on ram or 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 tied to a credit card or debit card or something like that so Mm -hmm. the idea that you don't need to always go to the shelling point you can kind of like net settle uh, in in a cheaper execution environment, and then you know only batch end of day br- move your USDC or your token to another chain that has more of a financial thing. So I think this idea of the day to day minute minute interaction can absolutely move to the edge of the network, uh, uh, and just using that kind of like center chain, like the the chain that has the greatest liquidity, let's say Ethereum today, uh, as just a net settlement. And I I think that that vision makes a lot of sense and. And, and I completely agree that if you have compatibility in, in the execution environment, you don't really need to roll up directly against Ethereum mainnet. It can roll up somewhere else as long as the bridge to connect them. And I think those are arriving. At least I think they are. Yeah, um, yeah. I think they, 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 they are. There's a lot of um, really exciting teams that are literally focused on just solving or providing different varying solutions with different trade-offs to that. Really great, smart teams. You know, I think... Um, one of the ones that is interesting to me is Nomad, but there's a handful mm-hmm. of others as well. I think it's like Layer Zero is one. Yeah. And there, there are also some kind of layer protocol on top of that, like Socket and, and Router, who is kind of helping you navigate. Okay, how do I get from this chain on this token to that chain and that token? Uh, and then providing a secondary indexing and routing algorithm on top of these existing bridges and calculating costs and gas is really, really cool. So I think we're there. 
I hope we don't need to ask our end user to log into 17 different dApps and connect to 14 different wallets to do a basic movement of money. Uh, but I think with the composability of the UI, which is also another thing Cossack's working on, try to make oh, it so it's much more modular so that a swap, a bridge is something that can be nested within the workflow. And then all you have to do is go to workflow and then we break it down and help you sign each of the requests. Again, when you interact with the blockchain, it's just another type of signature. But if we can make the UI a little bit more like a macro, uh, then it's much more easier to show the user what their intent is and then track them through the places without having to actually manually go to four different DAP interface to take those four steps. So this nesting and composable UI, I think we're ready for it because all the backend and all the, the smart contracts are already there. It's just a matter of spending more time thinking about orchestration at the JavaScript ES module layer and try to get that right. So that's another project we're working on. Okay, awesome. Yep. So, well, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, uh, are there anything else you want to share with our community, something we missed uh, in, in things that excite you? uh in, in web3 right now no not really i mean you know we talked about some of the things that are most exciting to me again i'm a big fan of lens protocol um i you know would recommend if you're a developer check out uh, my my youtube tutorial that kind of shows you how easy it is to get get up and running i think i think a lot of people aren't aware of how how easy it actually is and if you're a, a traditional web developer it, it should be extremely easy because all you're do is all you're doing is interacting with traditional web apis you're not actually um, necessarily having to write any transactions to read some of the, these really nice selection sets and queries that are given to you by their API. Yep. Um, another thing I would say, like if you want to learn more about uh, modular blockchain, the paradigm of it or how to build, then check out the section on the Celestia docs called uh, Learn Modular. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a great place to go and kind of get a good idea around, um, you know, how all this stuff works together and the value proposition um, that it, it proposes. That's great. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, links in the description. Uh, and if you're watching on another channel, uh, you know, thank you, uh, uh, Nada, to join us today and, and have this great conversation. And we do this every week, uh, premiere on YouTube at uh, 9 a.m. Eastern time on Wednesdays. Uh, so we love talking to builders and talking to people, people in the trenches and really, really trying to move this space forward, no matter what the climate, the temperature it is <laughs> in, in, the, in, the, in the world and in, in, in our field. But uh, it's always a pleasure to hear the perspective from someone who is optimistic and exciting and know that, hey, there's work to be done and we're going to do this work together as a community. So, 100%. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. And, and as always, uh, thank you for the community for your attention. Until next time, take care.